Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. Hi guys, we have a brilliant evening coming up to thank the heroes in your church's toddler group team. We want to get them together to inspire them with a bigger vision for their ministry and offer some practical help. Thursday, the 10th of March, 7.30 to 8.45, an evening on Zoom together. Join in with a brew and a biscuit and be inspired. Jump on the website to book a place or the details are in the show notes. Back to the show. So many parents were struggling with our own issues as well as our as our children. So many parents have been anxious themselves and have their own issues of well-being to manage during the pandemic. We're role models to the way that we manage our emotions. And speaking to a psychologist about how we help our children, her advice was, number one, look after your own mental well-being. So if you need support, um, seek out the support or help that you need. Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. My name is Ed. I'm the director of Faith in Kids. And this podcast is for parents to understand how Christ is at work in their lives. How can our children flourish for all eternity under Christ in the normal mess of life? We want to be for you. We want to be having the conversations you need us to have. Uh, and for that reason, you can contact us and we'll tell you more about that at the end. Uh, it's our privilege to have with us Catherine. Amy's also here. Say hello, Amy. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Catherine, uh, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself, could you? I certainly could. But thank you so much, first of all, for uh, inviting me on the podcast. It's so good to be with you. And I'm Catherine Hill. I'm the UK director of the charity Care for the Family. Um, I'm married to Richard. We have four grown-up children and three grandchildren. Tell us a bit about your grandchildren, Catherine. How old are they? What do you do with them? They are such a delight. Uh, it's often said 
um, that if we'd known grandchildren were so much fun, we'd have had them first. And I <laughs> didn't really understand what that was until we had ours. So they were actually two of them. Um, so different families, but um, little girl, Eva, and little boy, Ezra. Um, they're both just two. And they were born, obviously, just as the pandemic was kicking off. So they've had a very interesting first year and a bit, actually. Mm. Um and then another little one um, just six weeks ago, Tabitha, um, who's wow. a little sister for Ezra. And then another one is due in September um, for one of our sons who's uh, in London. That will be there first. But they are a delight, and um, we try and see as much of them as possible. A growing brood. Ed, when are we starting the Faith in Grandparents channel? Because Faith in Grandparents, grandparents are amazing. I, I have got a wonderful granny who is doing a great job of supporting uh, her grandchildren at the moment. Big up to the grandparents. Catherine, I'm certain if you'll have us back, uh, it, it's, it is one of the most commonly asked topics is tell us about being a grandparent. Oh, well, I would love to do that. And um, Rob Parsons and I have written a little book called The Really, Really uh, Brilliant Book for Grandparents, which um, is a small book. And actually, Care for the Family, we're going to be doing an event next year, um, online event for grandparents. Wow. So I'd love to come back and Woo-hoo! talk about faith and grandparenting and all the rest that would be fantastic we would love that that's booked in but we can't talk too much about that now because you've got a different book out which we are very excited about Catherine just tell us a bit about it's called a mind of their own could you just tell us where did it start from where where was the passion How, how did you come to write this Yeah, it's called A Mind of Their Own. Uh, Building Your Child's Emotional Wellbeing in a Post-Pandemic World is the subtitle. And I think probably about two years ago now, um, I was just aware of so many parents contacting us at Care for the Family, but also so many newspaper reports uh, talking about anxiety and depression, rising rates of mental ill health in our young people, overstretched services, And I wanted to do something, to put something practical into parents' hands to help from the get-go before the crisis hits. And crises come to every family and many families for no, you know, out of a bright blue sky. But nevertheless, there's so much that we can do to build our children's emotional well-being. So I began to research the book and began writing and then 2020 happened. <laughs> and uh, so I actually began writing it before many of us had heard of a place called Wuhan, before social distancing had become a word that was normal in our vocabulary. And uh, But then it just became even more timely uh, because I think, I think the pandemic has been a bit like a, putting a magnifying glass on our mm. family life. And the the, some good stuff has, has got better, but by and large, it's the tough stuff that's just got a hundred times worse. And definitely our children's emotional well-being is one of those that's taken a big hit. So in God's incredible providence, um, it was amazingly timely uh, when the book came out. Now, we have this book as a family. Um, and, and one of the biggest plaudits I can give your book is not only have I read it, but my husband has read it. Hooray. And he's not a big fan of reading. Um, so, and he's read it and we both enjoyed it because it's so practical and um, and it just takes you through so many different, so many of the different levels of things that as parents we want to think about. And it's just you know, the growth mindset stuff, uh, boundary setting things. It's just, it's just an across the board 
I don't want to be uh, to offend you, Catherine, but it feels like a sort of dummy's guide to parenting, but maybe one level up because <laughs> it's all of those normal things that we're facing and it's just walking us through them. Yeah, well, I just I really wanted to make it practical for parents, because I think in the same way that we know how to build our children's um, physical strength and to keep them healthy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we get them to eat their broccoli and we teach them to cross the road and we limit screen time and all those things. Um, There's the similar type of things that we can do to build them emotionally. So Mm -hmm. it is really practical and uh, down to earth and kind of bedded in the everyday ups and downs of, of family life. life and there's a cartoon cartoons <laughs> are great I love the cartoons though David McNeil is a brilliant cartoonist and he's just very clever as well and the cartoons they bring you know, it's a tough it's a tough topic actually yeah. that we're looking at and uh, but it brings a lightness to it many of them make you laugh out loud and they then really um the zip it page I like the as well, which is page. the things not to say to our children, <laughs> which we probably all said. <laughs> but I also think that just makes me laugh because I, I I thought she's actually in my house. <laughs> Catherine, you called the first chapter, uh, you were never their age. Uh, and in some ways it's provocative. Uh, you know, you, you're saying uh, we, we haven't been our children's age. There is enough that is different that means we just have to know we don't get it to some degree. Um, Could you, what is different, Catherine? And and I I also think there is a temptation, isn't there, to to have a narrative that's something like it's never been this bad and it's Mm. it's only getting worse. Can you tell us a bit about what's different and how you see it? Yeah, certainly. In the well, the first chapter is actually based on a story. So there was a child psychologist, and she was talking to a group of parents about the issues that she was seeing in the young people that she was counselling. And halfway through, um, a lady who I I think had probably been a little vocal already in the question and answer session, um, she interrupted and she said, "These kids, they just need to toughen up a bit." When I was their age. Um, But at that moment, the psychologist put her hand up, um, indicating to her to stop. And she said, she said this, she said, Madam, you were never their age. And, and I do think that psychologist was right. I think that our children are growing up in a world of very different opportunity, um, but also many, many challenges that, um, that we didn't grow up in. So with, so the Children's Society recently had a um, advertising campaign and they had an um, online shop the, that was part of their campaign um, that was representative of iconic symbols of childhood. And I was reflecting on what I would have put for my childhood, but the items they chose were a child stab vest, um, a uh, anxiety concealer uh, anxiety concealer makeup, mm-hmm. um, a notebook, a self-hate notebook containing dark thoughts, and a mobile phone case covered in um, messages of fear and worry. And I do think we can't put all the blame for our children's um, state of anxiety at the moment on the digital age, but definitely um, there is a link between uh, screen use and the kind of stuff they're seeing and the pressures, the bullying, the um, celeb culture, the um, selfie images, all that stuff, um, which we didn't have. Mm. But 
I would also say it's not all bad news either. And there's incredible opportunity that they have as well, but they need our support to help navigate through it. You know, that is exactly what I see. I'd never seen that so clearly or even that is a shock. Yeah, I don't want to take all the credit for the research <laughs> because we had a team at Care for the Family. So I had a couple of people who helped me with that. But I think I just was very keen that this is a book that you can give to anyone. It has mm. kingdom principles throughout it. Um, there's a section at the end where faith is specifically mentioned, but you can give this to a friend at the school gate. Um, you can give it to to anyone in the community, um, because it's also got that foundation of solid um, scientific research. And I think one of the things that I loved when looking at the research was the fact that it says the same thing as the Bible. I mean, of course it does. But I think that was one of the things that just delighted me and continues to delight me as I look at it. So one of the bits of research is about the plasticity of the brain. And our brains are truly, truly amazing. Um, Even as adults, they can continue to grow and to change. And that is the best news ever for helping our children. Because if they've got into um, bad habits, um, our brains are pattern seeking devices. And so the neurons, they'll, they'll go back to the same patterns. But it's possible to pause that and to uh, help children forge new habits. And the story I, I talk about, it's a bit like going through an overgrown field and there's a wide pathway. And of course, that's the one that's it's easiest to walk through. But actually, if we have, if we can help our children just wade through the undergrowth a different way um, to find a different way of thinking, different habits, then that one can become the wide pathway that is easier to go on. And the other one can become overgrown. And scientists call this the plasticity of the brain, the fact that our brains can change. But um, in Romans, it's called the renewing of our minds. And um, so there was, oh, there was Catherine. I know it's so good. There's so much in there, honestly. Then there's stuff about when we think positively, how great that that is again for our well-being. And of course, you know, we read in the Bible, whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is honest, that's there. Um, I mean, there's just loads stuff about resilience, which is a key message um, to the book. And again, you know, in Romans, um, where it talks about suffering, producing perseverance, perseverance, producing character, character, producing hope. And lo and behold, the scientists talk about the hope circuit that comes out of learning. So stuff full of wonderful scientific discoveries that were already in the Bible, which I love. <laughs> and, and Catherine, there's... Um... We, we have the most to do with under 11s at Faith in Kids. It, it seems to me that, that this, while clearly uh, no, no one is unable to, to start new routines, it seems to me that under 11s is an age where, as a parent, we can be particularly looking for uh, habits, responses, responding to situations. That, that Perhaps that's an age group where we're particularly trying to train our children in godliness in fruit of the spirit and the renewal of your mind exactly that do you do you is there a sort of peak time for this or do you just want to encourage parents it's it's never too late let's keep on looking to encourage new habits i would say it's never too late but 
Um, if we're parenting under 11s, that is the best time because so many of these habits are not yet in place. And we have the raw material. You know, God's given us such an incredible responsibility as parents and privilege um, to play our part in shaping their lives. And so I would say the earlier, the better. Um, I've given this book to my children to read for their little under twos, you know, and to get get these habits in place because um, some of them, just if we can do them from the get-go, it's just easier um, mm-hmm. because then the whole family is oriented to, to think and, and work together uh, in that way to build our emotional well-being together. Catherine, you really have done the hard work for us and the team at Care for the Family and making it so simple and making it so practical. Um, one of the things that I noticed that came up a lot was the opening up the conversation and talking with your children and dealing with failures and, and thinking about how to um, do things differently, that growth mindset stuff. Uh, can you give us an example of, of you know, a story? Because I think that's the things we understand the theory and we can read it in a book and think, oh, yes, I want to do that. But I think what's so helpful is when we read it, well, as we do in the chapters worked out in a story. Um, I loved the Claire story of the girl in the food tech classroom. Um, was there a story, one of the stories in, in your book that, that stood out for you? Um, oh, so, so many. Um, but why don't I tell that one then, the Claire okay. one, because it is, it's uh, lovely. Actually, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the Grace one, because I love okay. the Grace one, which is one about, so the book of Proverbs um, talks about um, our words having the power of life. And one of, the, one of the things about the book is it's got the basic parenting principles in it, which really are the foundations for then the specific messages that talk about building emotional well-being. So we talk about, you know, I talk about spending time with them, um, listening, uh, putting boundaries in place, um, all, all those kind of, you know, mm-hmm. what would be in most parenting courses. But then the, the specifics are above and beyond that. But a really key foundational message is uh, our words of affirmation and encouragement to our children. And I was actually speaking at a Christian festival and I was speaking on this uh, on this proverb that our words have the power of life. And a lady came up to me at the end and she was crying. And uh, she said, I, I, I thank you so much. Um, I found that really, really helpful. But I realized I've, I've messed up so much. I've got two children and um, the oldest is a delight. The youngest is driving us crazy. Um, she fights with her sister. Um, she doesn't do what she's told. We're getting letters home from school. And in fact, how to kind of parent her has become an issue between me and my husband. And then she said this. She said, her name is Grace. But because of her behavior, we call her Disgrace. And then uh, she started crying again and she said, I want to do better. Well, I talked with her, we prayed, I encouraged her um, and she went away really determined to change uh, how they operated in their home and particularly uh, not calling her disgrace, but calling Mm -hmm. her by her name, Grace. Well, fast forward a year and I'm back at the same Christian festival and in the bookshop, um, I'm just looking at some books and I see this lady coming towards me. And um, she's holding the hand of this little girl, uh, beaming from ear to ear. And she says, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And she said, this is grace. And she said, everything changed. We went home. It didn't happen overnight. It was little bit by little bit. But we decided to speak positive words uh, to her, to call her grace. 
And her behavior began to change. She got on better with her sister. Um, she started doing what she was told. And we mm. stopped getting letters home from school. And even my relationship with my husband has changed. And all because um, of that, that little decision. Now, that's one of the foundational things. And I've built on that a lot to talk about the way that we praise mm. our children. And I got into quite a feisty discussion, actually, on BBC Radio <laughs> London, because there's a chapter called It's OK to be Ordinary. And um, Vanessa Feltz, who was the interviewer, didn't agree at all <laughs> with what I was saying. But the whole Love Island celebrity culture that many of our children are under, now not for under 11s quite so much for that, perhaps, but wow. but not everyone can be extraordinary. Not everyone gets all the um, medals on sports day. Um, yeah. So I think lots of messages in the book about how we praise our children specifically and how we enable them to be the best them um, yeah. that they can be. And I, I mean, that, that's a key Christian message is that the Lord has gifted each of us to serve him. And part of parenting is trying to see how has the Lord gifted our children? How, how are they uniquely gifted? How are they? How can they be excellent? And they all can be excellent. But I thought your chapter was a relief mm. to, to be able to say my children don't have to be excellent in every area. And perhaps at the moment in the UK, they don't have to be academically powerhouses or they don't have to be natural performers. It's a, I think it's a relief as a parent to read that chapter, Catherine, to know. Yeah. Because on, on the one hand, all parents want their children to be utterly normal. And on the other hand, all parents want their children to be utterly exceptional. And to read a chapter that says it's all right. It's all right. Um, and ordin- ordinary is its own kind of wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that I think that's one of the things. I think we've redefined ordinary to be boring. And boring isn't, yeah, it's not. <laughs> ordinary and being you is what, yeah, being them. And of course we want them to take opportunities that come their way. But you're right. I think it does take the pressure off not only our children, but it takes the pressure off us as parents as well when we learn that one. So I, I, I feel like... Um, anxiety levels are ramping up and and as you've said covid and restrictions and all those things have almost put that magnifying glass made it all that bit more intense um post-pandemic coming out of things we expected i expected lots of us expected life will get back to normal we'll be back in school we'll be back at sports clubs we will click the switch and we will all be fine and this will just be like a bad dream that we've walked away from i think we're all learning and seeing and feeling as things begin to move somewhere near who knows what normal is anymore but but this has left a scar and that this this has left a stain and this has perhaps um, opened up worries and um, families are struggling there's a lot of practical advice in your book about that um, what would you say to families uh, who are under, starting to realize that anxiety is a bit of a big issue Yeah, I think, first of all, just to take a deep breath and pause and know that they're not alone. Um, So many, I think, parents are finding that going into lockdown was difficult, but we expected it to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And of course, it was a big adjustment to, you know, to be homeschooling, homeworking. Every single parent and every teacher deserves a medal, I think, um, for just surviving the last 18 months or so. But I think, as you as you've just said that sometimes um we felt that okay we'll flick a switch and it and life will go back to normal but 
but it hasn't. And part of that, I think, is to do with the fact that uh, how our children are processing change. So I was speaking to a psychologist recently, Kate Middleton, who works for the Mind and Soul Foundation. Mm -hmm. And she said that the way we as adults manage change, we have, we're able to um, understand that, you know, there was what life used to be like, then the pandemic, and then we've got some understanding of of, of a new normal, whatever Mm -hmm. that is going to look like. But for our children, it's just all change, massive amount of change. And so a lot of their stress levels are taken up in managing that. And they haven't got much left for the everyday things. And they so need to be able to go and have fun and reconnect with friends and uh, not have all those anxieties and worries. But many finding that I think just taking little steps towards that is the way forward. And Kate told this wonderful story uh, when I was recording a podcast with her about her nine-year-old um, who was very anxious about going back to school. And he went back to school. And then, of course, there was all the you know, bubbles and having to isolate again. And he set off for school a um, couple of days in and came running back. I hadn't actually got to school. He said, Mom, I forgot to put my pants on. And this <laughs> child, and she said it was ridiculous. How could a nine-year-old or eight-year-old? But she said the stress levels was so much on for him navigating getting back to school something as basic as that and so she said it was very funny the next day they had a checklist (laughs) got your water bottle got your sports kit and yes mum I have remembered my underwear but um and although that was funny I thought it was a a very um kind of poignant really little Mm -hmm. message to the just the the anxiety that many of our children are, are trying to manage and how as parents if we can be a listening ear if we can find those moments to chat to them to try and get them to articulate what's going on for them mm. and um and not push them back to suddenly everything being fine um mm. but do it little by little and I think we'll be we'll be being a, a good support for them you talked about playing with uh, with children with younger children to give them chance to talk and I, you talked a lot about trying to um, give opportunities to talk perhaps without eye contact with those slightly older ones those were two really brilliant tips that um, that I'm pleased our listeners get to hear. And there's loads more of them in the book. Ed, this is a wonderful podcast. I feel like we're getting absolute gold. Our listeners should subscribe, shouldn't they? And they should probably share this with a friend because it's just brilliant advice. Amy, that must be right. It must be right that um, this book, this podcast could be placed into the hand of any parent. Uh, to, to work through what normal conversations look like and how to have them. And I, I suspect if there's someone listening to this who wasn't a parent, they would be thinking, you know, what, what do you do? What, what are you doing if you're not having conversations? But Catherine it is right that you're, you're trying to help us work out how to have a normal conversation where we're unpicking how are you feeling? How do we approach it? What do we do differently about it? Do, do you do you just have have you found that you're giving people some common tips, Catherine, some or do you hear people coming back to you with what they keep finding most helpful? Just those stick on the fridge, three things to do today. Make a start here. Yeah, I mean, I think just the one that Amy just mentioned about eye contact um, for particularly under 11s is is really important. Uh, my daughter was about eight. And she'd been to play with a friend. 
And uh, she came back and she was really excited because they'd seen a film and it had been all about a princess and a castle and a horse and goodness knows, a whole load of other things. And she was telling me about it. And to be honest, it was incredibly boring. And so I was, you know, pretending to listen to her. But next to me, I remember it clearly. There was this magazine on the table that said how to <laughs> how to declutter your home or something like that. And at that stage of our family life, our home just had stuff everywhere. And so I started just looking at this magazine. And she said, Mommy, you're not listening. I said, darling, I am listening. And she said, no, you're not. You need to listen with your eyes. And honestly, I've never forgotten it. She was so right. So one thing we could do well for our under 11s is listen with our eyes. So put away our phones, put away all those distractions and just give them um, that one-on-one contact and listen to the things that they want to talk about, which very often aren't the things that we think um, are going to be of concern to them. I remember at the very beginning of the pandemic, a friend said that, uh, her eight-year-old was really anxious and wanted to talk about mm-hmm. about the issues of the pandemic. And she prepared this little science lesson about viruses and just what happens and all the science stuff. And he was worried about uh, who he was going to be sitting next to and how play playtime was going to work at school or something because um, she was a key worker. It was it was something very mundane. It wasn't the big stuff that she thought. So really listening to what's on their hearts. And then we have an opportunity um, to talk to them about how we're feeling about it, how our faith makes a difference to us. Um, we can pray with them. One of the one of the action points. So at the end of every chapter, there are some action points, things mm-hmm. you can put into practice straight away. Mm-hmm. And then there's also an activity uh, for families to do. And one of the activities is for if children are feeling anxious to make um, what I call a worry box, but um, it's just get a shoe box get them to decorate it, cut a hole in the top, write down or draw a picture of the things they're worried about, post them in the box. Um, If you want to pray, you can pray, but just posting that thing in the box is an indication that it's being dealt with. And then sometimes you can get it out at the end of the month. And it's a great lesson sometimes for our children to find out that the things that they were really worried about maybe weren't so much of a deal after all. I think one of the other things, um, my I have older children, so one of the other particularly helpful things for older boys, um, we've had lots of car journeys where we talk, um, we've we've driven an hour extra than we needed to to go to the shop that there's one of 20 minutes down the road to give us the car journey back and to because um, my son needs to talk without me looking at him. I think definitely teenagers, last thing they need is eye contact. They don't want to feel pinned in the corner, do they? And it's usually at the most inconvenient times with teenagers. <clears throat> so, so yes. Yeah. So I think that was, yes, eye contact, listening when you're little. And sometimes you have to learn to not do the looking at you. Thing. Yes. So, um, very practical, helpful. If you Go take ahead. them out to coffee, um, sitting side by side is really good. That's true. <laughs> Ed, we like the worked example. You're doing the like the, the sort of, you know, the deeper, meaningful questions. And I go, tell me a story, Catherine. <laughs> You're both doing great. I'm sorry I'm here. Uh, Catherine, you, you, one of your, in fact, your last chapter, I think, is called Who Am I? And um, I suspect there's, I suspect every Christian who reads this book is going to cheer through this chapter because you, you take a step by step through the research that says, 
it, it's good for your children to be part of something bigger. It's, it's good for them to commit to something bigger than themselves. And then you're already thinking, I know this, I know this, this is Jesus. And then you finish by saying, and research has found that religious hope helps. And, uh, Isn't that great? It, that's, and that's exactly. research, yeah, from the, um, exactly. from the University of Pennsylvania. So, um, Pennsylvania, <laughs> that's it. The University of Pennsylvania says Christianity works. Uh, you, you were reading this as a, a Christian mother and a grandmother. Sorry, you were writing this, Catherine, as a Christian mother and a grandmother. Did did you find there are certain chapters that really resonated as a Christian? You know, where you either the research agrees, or you just find yourself thinking, if only the church could tell people this better, this would help everyone. So definitely, Ed, the chapter on identity, um, which is where it, where the book lands, really um, discovering, uh, helping our children discover who it is that God's made them to be, um, what are their gifts. But alongside that, I think being real about um, the, the tough stuff of life and not sugarcoating it. So I think some of the chapters that um, we've already mentioned, but the one on it's okay to fail um, and stepping out, taking risks, allowing our children to have an adventure not being that helicopter parent that swoops in with the rotor blades whirring to uh, prevent any um, mishap happening. I have to say I was so often that parent driving across town in rush hour traffic with forgotten football boots or ingredients for the lemon meringue pie for the cookery lesson or whatever it was. But if we allow our children um, to fail, uh, obviously within boundaries, but to, to, to let bad stuff happen and for them to discover then how to um, how to find solutions to problems. Um, in a way, it's how God parents us as well. You know, he doesn't zoom in and just stop anything bad from ever happening. And that's another big discussion. Um, but, but actually, he allows us to learn. And it's so often in the Bible and in life, it's in the valley that we have the, the most precious lessons often in life. And whilst, of course, we don't want our children, no parent wants their children to suffer bad stuff. Um, equally, if we wrap them in cotton wool and they never they, they won't ever learn that important quality of resilience and um self-control. So I think, yeah, I'm I'm excited about that and the ability of parents to stand back and to trust, trust God um, with our kids. Ed, am I allowed to ask Catherine to tell us the Claire story? Because I just think that I know it was. That to me connects that. What does God say about me? What does God believe about me? Who does he say I am? And what difference does that then make to how I live? Yeah, okay. So this is the, the cookery lesson one. Yeah. 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 Yes. So um, so yeah, so there was um I met a lady actually who was a cookery teacher, and she told me this beautiful story that I was so keen to put in the book. And uh, it was a parents' evening. And she uh, was going through the list of the children whose parents were coming to see her for their uh, the report about how they were doing. And Claire's mum came and uh, Claire was a model student. And she told her how brilliant she was and how well she was doing. And she was always on time. And she always turned up with the right ingredients and helped other children. And the mum looked a bit surprised, but went off anyway and to the next uh, appointment 
later in the evening, another mum turned up and she said, what's your child's name? And she said, Claire. And she realized in horror that this was the Claire um, uh, who actually was the model A-star student. And the previous Claire, who she'd given the glowing report to, actually wasn't doing well at all. And she was late and she never had the right ingredients. And really, it it wouldn't have been a good report. But there was nothing she could do about it. So um, on they went. Well, amazingly, that good report uh, made a massive difference to this this child, the first Claire, and and she began to get better and she began to be on time for lessons and she began to bring the right ingredients. And the the mum later said to the teacher that was the first positive report she'd ever had. Um, And it just made such a difference to her self-esteem, to her well-being and to her knowing her potential. And the lovely thing is this child herself went on to become a cookery teacher uh, when she grew up. So it is a it's a lovely story, isn't it? The reason I love that story is because it gives us so much hope because the thing that fixed it was was not the the people getting it right. The thing that fixed it was a mistake. That's such a God incidence. And the thing that fixed it was what she then believed about herself. And. And as Christians, as, as raising our children to trust and know and, and, and love Jesus, we know that we have value and we can tell them they are precious in the eyes of God. We can tell them how much they are worth. We can point to the cross and say, don't ever doubt that you are not loved. And that same positivity that you can then walk out and believe can change, change the decisions you make, change the life you live. We have such a beautiful story to give our children we can do we can do it without making it a mistake as well we can actually tell them you you you're loved you're valuable you matter yeah uh catherine i opened this book um i think expecting some chapters about counseling about some medication about how to navigate this through certain referrals from gps uh, you've kept this book free of that. Um, could you could you just presumably, as you've written this book, you have considered that a little, which is how, how do we know when to go to others? How do we know when to go to professional services? And, and there is a bit of a sort of mini narrative as a Christian, which is do we go to doctors less than everyone else because we've got Jesus? Could you give us some help with that, Catherine, of, of any wisdom you've got on how we navigate that and and at the moment when these services are all so hard stretched. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I start the book with uh, a chapter about the family because actually it is the family is the learning place. It's where it's where we learn to love and be loved, to forgive, to be forgiven, to, you know, where we see it all modelled and lived out. But un- undoubtedly there will be occasions when children are unwell and when parents are anxious and we do need extra supports. Now, the the bookend uh, of the um, of the book, <laughs> the, the chapter, there's a chapter called It Takes a Village. And so I would say there's, there's a first step in terms of talking to other parents in um, the local church, just being an incredible resource and uh, schools, youth leaders, uh, mentors. But there will then be occasions when children 
are self-harming, maybe they've got eating disorders, have been a huge, huge rise amongst young ones um, for this in lockdown, which has been um, truly shocking. And so I think if parents are at all concerned, I would say, um, you know your child best. And we know if they are acting out of character, if they're becoming more withdrawn than usual, if there are issues, um, whilst not wanting to medicalize feelings mm. of boredom and confusion, uh, if we are anxious that there is a, an issue, we should definitely go to a GP um, or seek some other other form of, of support and help. And there's lots of services out there. Men, there are long waiting lists, but actually if it's, if it's our child, we need to press on through and get them the support they need if they do. Um, but within that whole caveat of, of um, not jumping too soon. Um, I think is that there, there's that helpful thing, isn't there? Is this persistent, uh, enduring and really yeah. affecting um, day-to-day yes. life? And yes. So if we, you know, if this is a week in, then, you know, pray, get people from church to chat it through. But if this is carrying on, if this is... Um, if this is pushing you to the limits, if this is affecting sleep patterns, if this is more than six weeks, um, don't struggle. Yes. Shout. 100%. In the same way, if our child broke his leg, we would be going to the doctor. So just because it's unseen, um, it doesn't mean that it's not genuine and we do need to pay attention, definitely. Catherine, we're, we're nearing the end. We're very grateful. I did have one question, which is... Um, uh, this book broadly is as parents, how can we help children? And you do touch on it, which is as parents, how do we cope when we're not coping? Can you just say something to the parents who are listening? Um, what, what, what's your wisdom for when, for when they're not managing? But probably in this case, because of how their children are. Yeah, I think this is so common at the moment. So many parents were struggling with our own issues as well as our as our children. So many parents have been anxious themselves and have their own issues of well-being to manage during the pandemic, particularly if they have been holed up, you know, trying to homeschool, homework, etc., um, without the usual support systems in place. So I think being real about our own anxieties is the place to start. There's a whole chapter um, on, it's called They're Listening, and it's about that we're role models to the way that we manage our emotions. And speaking to a psychologist about how we help our children coming out of lockdown, her advice was, number one, look after your own mental well-being. So if you need support, um, seek out the support or help that you need. Um, but maybe it's just getting a better rhythm to our day in terms of um, spending time um, doing whatever restores us. It might be having a bath. It might be um, listening to some worship music. It might be going for a long run, um, whatever it is, but making time so mm. we can give of our best to, to our children. But then many parents are being you know, are anxious, lying awake at night, worrying about their children's anxiety. And so again, knowing that we're not alone, um, anyone can ring care for the family if they want someone to talk to um, for any of those issues. But I've also put lots of resources and um, agencies and um, organisations at the back of the book uh, for people who have specific issues that people may well find helpful. And in that appendix with that long list of resources Catherine is there are there one or two 
resources that have really stood out for you that you you find yourself recommending more? Well, I think if parents um, want ones with a with a faith base, um, there is the Mind and Soul Foundation, um, which is fantastic for us as adults. But they've also just brought out something called Headstrong, um, which is for for children. Um, one great app from Parent Zone is called Ollie. Now, Ollie is a little um, cartoon character, but children can manage this themselves. So the whole issue of screen time is probably another podcast, but you can manage. Uh, Ollie is is um, someone that they can um, they can go onto the app and then they can put in how they're feeling and get help and advice. And you can use it with parents and with the school. So Parent Zone and that app, I would I also think is a good one. But there's depending on the issue. Um, there are specific support and specific um, resources for for different issues. So if it's bullying or if it is anxiety or if it is an eating disorder, um, they're there. Catherine, Care for the Family is in the habit of um, taking on tour um, a presentation, a show to explain, to look into these things more. Do you plan to do that with this book? We already have, actually. So we haven't been on tour, obviously, because of the pandemic, but we have produced an online um, evening, uh, an hour long, called A Mind of Their Own. And um, it was shown uh, earlier this year, but we're going to run it in the autumn. So I would really love parents to, to look out for that. It was really well received when we ran it in the spring. And uh, if you check on our Care for the Family website, you'll find out the dates for that once they're published. Thanks so much, Catherine. Amy, anything left? Any burning questions? Um, no, I guess, well, I want Catherine to write the second book with all the Bible stuff in, because I just, I loved that. Um, I think I also, yeah, Catherine's given us loads of great advice of places to go for help. I think I also just want to say, as, as a mom who wants everything to be fixed so quickly, um, there is an element of we trust God. You know, we, we get the help, we do, but we pray and we wait. Um, and I know through struggles uh, with, with my own son, for me, that was a really powerful thing to mark in my diary 40 days of praying and waiting and, and just letting the things that help, help. Um, you know, we want, to, we, want to, we want to fix everything in five minutes and trusting God and letting God work in the hearts and lives of us, our children, develop the character he is doing a good work and we can trust him even in the mess of our society and struggles of our home we can trust god thank you amy Catherine, are you willing to pray for the parents who are listening oh i'd love to thank you thank you heavenly father we thank you so much for uh, the gift of parenthood the gift of our children and lord we know that um there are highs and there are lows there are struggles and there are joys but thank you that you're with us through them and I want to just give each child represented by anyone listening um, to you help us father to be able to trust our children to you knowing that you are the perfect parent knowing that you want the best for them and lord when there are struggles I pray that you would help us be wise. Give us your gift of wisdom so we don't just um, zip on in and just try and sort everything out, but we're able to to take a step back and to watch you um, work and hone their characters. 
Lord, our greatest desire is that our children um, grow increasingly uh, to know and love you. And I pray that um, you'd help us create the the right the ripe soil for that to happen um, and for you to be the perfect gardener in their lives. And in this tough time, as we come out of this pandemic, um, I just pray that you would be the one that protects us, that goes before us um, and that our eyes, Lord Jesus, will be fixed on you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Catherine, we're so grateful to you and we're absolutely going to hold you to your commitment to come back and speak to us about being grandparents. We know our listeners would love to hear that from you. Catherine, thank you so much for your time and your godly wisdom. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye.